0: Welcome to Healing Place Church Where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny Through the power of His Word If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts the book of Acts. Didn't Pastor Johnny do an amazing job last Sunday? Baby blue eyes can just preach. He is a preaching machine. I love our Bible reading and we're corresponding this series, On Your Mark. Uh, It all aligns with the book of Acts. And I'm going to tell you, the book of Acts, you got to fasten your seatbelt when you read and study the book of Acts. I think it's a blueprint of who God has called us to be as a church. Can I have a better amen? Amen. If you want to know what the church is supposed to look like, read the book of Acts. You see men and women whose lives are surrendered. We were singing about surrender this morning. Whose lives are surrendered and whose, the, the Spirit of God has empowered them. And you see amazing things happening. And so I'm excited to be able to teach you this morning. Uh, on your mark, this second installment, I want to talk to you about serving the one. Serving the one. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to dive right into the word. Uh, I feel like today is going to be a little Texas Day Brazil. Does uh, anybody have their heart on green? Come on, somebody. Yeah. If you've been to Texas Day Brazil, you know that little, that little decal. Red means you're not ready to eat. Green means, come on, bring it. And these guys walk around the table and they just cut off a little filet, a little sirloin, you know. A little chicken wrapped in bacon. Come on, talk to me. Wrap it in bacon, and it's a win, but it's nothing but meat. So I, I got some meat up in here today, all right? It's, got, it's full of protein. If you want that tomato basil, you know, if you want that salad, you know, that's for another day. Today is about protein. So uh, Acts chapter 8. Oh, babe, is this okay? I know she likes her salads. Um <laughs> This is going to be a meat fest today. I'm just going to let the Word do the work, okay? Can we do that? We're going to let the Scripture, I'm getting ready to carve it up, you know, set it on your plate. I pray that God's given you an appetite for His Word, and we're going to talk about serving the one. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 5, okay? I'm going to read a lot of Scripture to you and just walk you through this chapter, Uh, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8, verse 5, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, and he told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and to see the miraculous signs he did. I want to tell you when supernatural things manifest, as a church, we don't chase miracles. We chase after Jesus. Can I have a better amen? We're not just trying to see the, you know, oh man, the, the, the theatrics or the spectacular, or it's not about entertainment. It's about the presence of Jesus. But when Jesus shows up in authenticity, things begin to happen. And so miracles were happening. And in fact, anytime you see the supernatural take place, it's always a confirmation that the gospel works. It confirms God's word. And so crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and to see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Can I have a good amen? Okay, now get the picture. Philip is in Samaria and crazy things are happening. I mean, the whole city comes out because they want to hear the message. They want to see the supernatural. I mean, if you've ever seen somebody get delivered from a, a dark, demonic spirit, how many of you know, man, stuff is happening in the room? You're not just going to be sitting there just, you know. I mean, you're going to be dialed in, head on a swivel, paralyzed people, lame people, getting up, opening blinded eyes. I mean, things are happening in the city. Now, if you skip on down to verse 26, 26. Fast forward toward the end of the chapter. There's great joy in the city of Samaria. God is doing supernatural things through Philip. Revival is breaking out. Radical things are happening. Verse 26, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down south, down to the desert road. That road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Now get this picture. Philip's in the city. Supernatural things are happening. Revival. I mean, I, I want to be in the city because things are, are snap, crackle, pop. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And God says, okay, time out. Now, Philip, I want you to leave the city, and I want you to go down to the desert. I want you to go down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza in the desert where there's not a lot happening, where, where you don't see a lot of activity, that dry and that barren land. How many of you, if you were Philip at that moment, you say, God, I'd just as soon stay right here in the city. Can I tell you this? I want to give you this right off the bat. Number one, God does some of his best work in the desert. I'm going to talk to you about the desert for just a moment because our flesh wants to just stay in the city. You know, I, I like it when I see life and excitement and energy, but the truth is this. Sometimes there are desert experiences that God will call us to. Come on now. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody this morning who's in a desert where you feel like things aren't happening. Maybe your relationship with God feels a little dry. Maybe you don't see life happen. You read the Bible, and you see things happening in Scripture, but when you look in your own reality, it feels like a desert. Please hear me this morning, church. God does some of his best work in the desert. Consider Moses. And as God was preparing Moses for leadership, he sent him to the Midian Desert. Consider this, one of the greatest leaders in the Bible had to be formed and shaped in a desert experience. For 40 years, he stayed in that desert. And then God says, okay, now you're ready. Here's a burning bush. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to confront Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. Guess what? Moses had to go through the desert. After God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, where did he send them? The desert. Forty years they wandered in a desert why did they have to go through the desert? Because it took the desert to prepare them for their promise. Come on, somebody. You see, before we can walk in the fullness of the promise, we may have to walk through a desert season. Consider Jesus himself. Remember, uh, after he was baptized, the Bible says that he was led of the Spirit for 40 days into the desert. He was tempted of the devil. What was happening there in that 40-day desert experience? God was preparing him for ministry. Are you catching this this morning? I want to encourage some people today. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Don't think God has forgotten you. For some of you, this desert experience is preparation. I mean, it may be quiet, it may not feel like anything is happening, but hear me, the desert is not about separation, it's about preparation. Come on now, turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. It's not about separation, it's about preparation. God's trying to do something in your desert season. You see, deserts are biologically rich habitats. There are many plants and animals that have adapted to that environment. If if you could study the desert, you'll find so many amazing things are happening that you don't even see with your own eyes. I think that, and this is a word to help somebody this morning, that you may not see it with your own eyes, but God is doing something in this desert moment. To prepare you for what's next. God does some of his best work in the desert. Look at what it says, verse verse 27. The angel of the Lord says, Go down south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the candidate, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, now let me stop right here just to give you a little context, okay? Just a little history lesson. This treasurer from Ethiopia, um, the Bible says that he was a financial advisor with great influence and authority. He was what was called a, a eunuch, and he was positioned you know, with great authority over a region. Now, here's what's interesting to me. This Ethiopian treasurer was from modern-day Sudan, and he worked for the queen mother of Pharaoh of Egypt, okay? So now, now think about this. Great position, great authority, but I think there's several conclusions we can draw from this. And this is what you don't really catch when you just read it. But if you dig, you understand certain nuances of the Scripture. Because he held this position, there are several things that we can conclude he was probably taken from his home and he was held captive he was enslaved he was emasculated And then he was trained to work in the royal court. Much like Babylon and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, how they had been taken from their home and they had been forced to learn a new culture, forced to serve in a different environment, this Ethiopian eunuch was taken against his will. And he was was, uh, emasculated, he was enslaved, and he was trained to work in a foreign region. Over time, he developed authority because of his position. And the Bible says he traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. It tells me that he was a foreigner. He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. But he had a desire to know God. I want to tell you, within every human heart, there's a desire to know God. And in the, in the absence of knowing God, people will take truth and make it to be whatever they, they want it to be. How many you know we see that in culture today? If you don't fill the hole in your soul with God, you will fill it with something. And this guy, he was a foreigner, so he didn't know God, but there was something inside of him that led him to Jerusalem. Now, if you're going to travel from modern-day Sudan all the way up to Jerusalem, it will take you months He traveled for months because there was something inside of him that said, I got to know God. Now, here's what we can conclude. When he gets to the temple, they're not going to let him in. Why? Because he's not a Jew. He's a foreigner. They don't let Gentiles into the temple. And on top of that, he's a eunuch. So, there's no way they would allow this foreigner to enter into the temple, the presence of God to worship. So, in my mind, I'm reading this and I'm seeing it play out like this. He travels for months from Sudan all the way to Jerusalem in hopes to discover truth. He's longing to know God, only to get to the temple and they tell him, You're not welcome here. No, no, no. Who are you? You do what? Because of his ethnicity, because of his anatomy, because of his religiosity. No, no, no. We don't let you in here. So they shut the gates. And his only consolation prize is the scroll of Isaiah. Well, here you go. You've traveled for three months. Well, you can purchase the scroll of Isaiah. And so imagine this Ethiopian treasurer. In his disappointment, he he went to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God, and all he got was rejection. Come on now, hear me, hear me, hear me this morning. This is the story of many people who long to know God, and they try to find him in church, and sometimes they're not welcome. Come on, are you with me? You don't look like us. You don't act like us. You don't share the same values as us. Here's the second point, and this is my favorite in the whole story. When you can't get to God, he'll find a way to get to you. When you, See, religion will shut the door on man and say, you're not welcome. But Jesus says, I am the door. And because I am the door, I will give you access to the truth that your heart longs to know. When you can't find God, I promise, when you struggle to get to God, he will find a way to get to you. You see, sometimes the enemy will lie to us and make you think, well, you know, you just don't belong. Or that church, it's just too big for you. Or, you know, if they only knew how bad you've messed up. If the people around you only knew your past, you're just a fake, you're just a phony, you don't belong there. You see, that's the lies of the enemy that's trying to keep you out. Come on now, can I have a better amen? And your heart longs to know God, but you, you know, your flesh tells you you're different. Oh, they're not gonna welcome you there. You'll never fit in over there. And your flesh and the enemy will whisper all these lies to keep you out. And when you struggle to get to God, He'll find a way to get to you. And, and, and some of you, I, I thought, God loves us so much that He will send people, He will send a divine word, He'll send resources i tell you, I can just, in my own experience, I can see there were moments several years ago when I was in a very dark place in my own personal journey. I remember being in a prayer meeting, and God, through a prophet, spoke a word to me. How many ever had a word spoken to you? I struggled in my own strength to connect with God, but God found a way to come to me. How many of you have ever been hurting financially, and you've prayed, and you've trusted God? You've been faithful with your tithe, but you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, and all of a sudden, something shows up in the mail. When you can't get to God, he'll find a way to get to you. Some of you struggling in your own experience and wonder, God, do you see? Do you know? Do you care? And then you get a text. You get a phone call. Somebody drops by. There's an encouraging word. You know what that is? That is heaven's way of breaking down the door and giving you exactly what you need. Come on, give him praise this morning. I love this. This It's my favorite thing about this story is God finds a way to give us exactly what we need. Some of you are in a desert uh, uh, experience, a desert season, but please know God does some of his best work in the desert. This guy leaves Jerusalem, and all he has is the scroll of Isaiah, and he's on his way home traveling for months carrying a spirit of rejection and confusion, and along comes a man named Philip. Out of nowhere, God had to take Philip from the city of Samaria in the middle of revival and put him in the middle of nowhere because there was divine appointment that was about to take place. I'm telling you, I don't know where you are in your life, but God sees you. He knows your name. He knows your pain. He knows your address. He knows exactly how to get you what you need. When you ran into that person at the grocery store, you thought that was an accident. Can I tell you, there's nothing random when it comes to the things of God it's not random it's called kingdom you just happen to be at the right place at the right time and run into that person how in the world did they know you know when you were struggling financially and somebody gave you money in church slipped you that handshake come on now my dad used to call it the Pentecostal handshake oh yes indeed man you said whoa I'll be Pentecostal today bless the Lord oh my soul Hey, when Rachel and I first got married, we, uh, I hadn't planned on saying this. You know what I'm about to say. I would, go to the, I would work out at Foxy's, and there was a guy at Foxy's that every time he saw me, he would come talk to me, and he would shake my hand and put money in my hand. And I'm just a young youth pastor. I mean, I'm scraping together quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies, and I just love the Lord, but, man, trying to provide. And I go to the gym. I came back. I said, Rachel, this guy, he gave me $20. She's like, what? Who is he? I don't know. And so the next day I go to the gym, I see him, he gives me another 20. How many know the next day I'm going to the gym, I'm not going to work out. I'm looking for my friend. And there, was, there were days that Rachel's like, baby, have you worked out yet today? I'm like, yeah. She said, you need to go work out again. What was God doing? I was struggling to get to him, but God will always find a way to get to me. Mm -mm -mm. This Ethiopian eunuch was different from everybody else. Didn't fit in. And the enemy of his soul said, you're not good enough. You don't belong. Go on your way. But guess what? He had the scroll of Isaiah. I'm telling you what, when you have the word, you have what you need. He had that scroll. Look at what it says here. I feel the Holy Ghost up in here. Verse 29, the Bible says this. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran, he ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Number three, notice how Philip navigated this. Watch this, number three, obedience will position you to be used by God. Obedience, everybody say obedience. When you do what the Lord is telling you to do, you are in position to be used by an almighty God. The Holy Spirit said, Philip, go. Now, notice what Philip's response was. He ran quickly. Everybody say, quick obedience. When God tells you to do something, don't make excuses. Don't overthink it and talk yourself out of it. Guess what? You don't even have to understand everything about it, but if you will do what he's telling you to do, you will be in position to be used by God. I wonder if some of you say, you know what? I wish God would use me more. Well, my question is, are you obeying what he's currently telling you to do? Because watch this, slow obedience is no obedience, Holy Spirit said, Philip, go join yourself to that chariot right there. And Philip ran. He put himself in position to be used by God. What are the odds? Right place, right time, right opportunity. Philip goes from leading a massive revival in Samaria into the desert. I mean, 60, 70 miles away. And he's he's walking there. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't even know why he's going. But he sees this carriage and he hears the Holy Spirit say, join yourself to that carriage. Now, I'm sure if I'm Philip and I'm walking in the desert and it's a 70-mile walk and you see a carriage, how many of you are thinking, man, that sounds like Uber right there? (laughs) Yeah, I need a ride. Or maybe that's that HPC golf cart when you come coming late into church and you're parking way out in the back 40. Thank God for a little transportation. But you know what? There was a mission. There was an assignment from heaven that Philip was on. I love this about Philip because he wasn't obsessed with crowds, but he was committed to obey the word of the Lord. And God will call you away from crowds and activity, and he will position you to serve one. I love this. Verse 31, the man replied, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Hear me, Healing Place Church. We cannot be afraid to come up into lost humanity and sit with them. Not just preach at them. Come on now, are you with me? Wait a second, this guy's a foreigner. He's a Gentile. He's a eunuch. We got nothing in common. Boy, I I, I can't join myself to that. Listen, how is the world going to know the love of Jesus unless you and I overcome awkwardness and fear and sit with them in their experience? Listen, don't ever let your fear of rejection, watch this, don't ever let your fear of rejection be greater than your love for the lost. He's just he just said, invite him, come up here and sit with me. So Philip does. What it says, verse 32. The pa- oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is so- hey, we're carving up a little uh, a chicken wrapped in bacon right now. Anybody want this one? Anybody want this one? You still on green? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Watch this. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Anybody recognize that passage? Isaiah 53, that is the messianic prophetic passage describing a Jesus who was coming. Hundreds of years later, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied a suffering servant who would take up on our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. This guy is reading that passage. And and this is what he says. The eunuch asked Philip, verse 34, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Here's the thought, and I want you to write this down. We need more than information. We need revelation. We need revelation. You see, this, this, this Ethiopian treasurer had information, but what he lacked was revelation. He's reading Isaiah 53. What are the odds that he meets Philip in the middle of the desert? What are the odds that he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah? What are the odds that he had read all the way up until the 53rd chapter? And he has a question. Who is Isaiah talking about? I believe this. That Ethiopian treasurer had experienced such pain and such rejection that when he read Isaiah 53, there was something about the pain of that individual that resonated with his own pain. Boy, I got cold chills just now. There was something about the pain and the suffering of that individual and this this eunuch, he's identifying based on the pain that he endured. I got to know who this guy is. You see, listen, pain will give you information but it'll never help you process it. And some of you are carrying pain today. And the truth is this, you don't know what to do with it. This eunuch had had such severe pain and rejection and disappointment, didn't know what to do with it, and now here comes Philip to help him process. I'm not just going to give you information. I'm going to give you revelation. You see, that's why we need the Holy Ghost. Can I have a good amen? You need the power of the Holy Spirit because you've got information, you've got brokenness, you've got dysfunction, you've got hurt, you've got heartache, and you've talked and and thought about all of it, but you don't know what to do with it. And the Holy Spirit will help you take the pieces of your life and put your life back together. The Holy Spirit gives revelation. He gives you purpose behind the pain. I mean, consider this, all right? I, I thought about this the other day. How many of you either in this room, you're ambidextrous or you know someone who is? ambidextrous. How many know what ambidextrous is? Okay. How many kind of know, but not quite sure? Okay. That, that I think, I think ambidextrous is where whatever your dominant hand is, you can do equally both right and left handed. You know, like if you can write your name with your right hand, you can write it the same way with your left hand. How many of you are not ambidextrous? Yes. If you take a pen and put it in your weak hand and try to sign your name, it's going to be like chicken scratch. Okay, but ambidextrous people, they can either throw with their right hand, throw with their left hand. Swing right-handed, swing left-handed. They can do equally right and left. And here's the thought that I had. You and I, when it comes to pain, oh, watch this. Hear me, hear me. When it comes to pain, we need to be ambidextrous in our faith. Say, Mike, what are you talking about? In our right hand, we hold the promises of God. And in our left hand, we hold life's difficulties and disappointments. And we believe both right hand and left hand. God, we trust you to give purpose and meaning to both. You see, the problem is we just want to read the scriptures with our right hand and we amputate our left hand. I'm telling you, the Bible talks about pain. The Bible talks about suffering. The Bible talks about hurt and heartache. And too many times we ignore those things. But you know what? If Jesus walked through suffering and yet was victorious, you know what that tells me? We've got promises to hold on to. But I'm going to tell you what, we can still process pain and suffering as well. Does that make sense? Uh, Let's don't go through life amputated. Because what will happen is this. If you've not been given good theology when it comes to pain and suffering, the first time you experience crisis... It'll rock your faith, and you'll walk away from God altogether. Some people have left God. They've left the church because their, their, their life has been so hard, and they say, wait a second, I, this isn't what I bargained for. I, I, I thought that my life was going to get better, that every, all my problems were going to go away, that I was going to have more money than I've ever had. Favor at every step. Can I tell you, sometimes when you say yes to Jesus, problems multiply difficulties increase. Opposition people come against you. I'm telling you, we got to be ambidextrous in our faith. Lord, I'm holding on to your promises, but Lord, even in my disappointment and discouragement, I believe that my pain and suffering will bring honor to you. Lord, let me suffer well. God, I trust you with both. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that this morning. And let me finish this story. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Tell me, he says, was the prophet talking about himself or or someone else? Verse 35, so beginning with the same Scripture, everybody say the same Scripture. Beginning with the same Scripture, Philip told told him the good news about Jesus. Now watch, Here was key. I think this is the key to evangelism. It says beginning with the same Scripture, when it comes to evangelism, we've got to start where they are, not where we want them to be. Does that make sense? Philip started where the man was, so starting with the same scripture. You see, I think for years the church has suffered with this gap. Here's this old, wicked, evil world, and yet you know, but we're trying to be righteous and holy and pure, and there's this gap here. We've got to start where they are and walk them to where God wants them to be. The church has to understand that gap. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him right there on the spot. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What was the result? Here this eunuch, he asked Why can't I be baptized? They told me I couldn't get into the temple. They said I wasn't good enough, I wasn't the right ethnicity, I didn't have the right anatomy, I didn't have the right religion to get in the temple. Here's some water, I don't know if it was a puddle, I don't know if it was a pond. What are the odds that in the middle of the desert they come across some water? You see how this thing is working? What are the odds that Philip, out of nowhere, out of Samaria, would intersect with this guy in the desert? What are the odds that the guy would be reading from the prophet Isaiah? What are the odds that he's right there at Isaiah 53? What are the odds that they're there at a puddle of water? And the eunuch says, you know what? They wouldn't let me in the temple. Why can't I be baptized? And Philip, I'm not sure what the eunuch was expecting. Was he expecting more rejection? Here's what he got. He got the, the grace, the access, and the favor of god in one moment and right there there was spontaneous baptism boom why not here why not now why not you you know today in all of our services and we've got about 75 people that have signed up to baptize to be baptized and right after this service we're going to go through these doors and out to the courtyard there's a little patio And HPC is going to have a little pool party where people have prepared to make a decision to go public with their faith. Some of you are here today. And this is why I wanted to preach this message on this Sunday. Because some of you have never been baptized or maybe as an infant that decision was made for you. But you're now in your spiritual journey and in your faith where you want to own that decision for yourself. Maybe to confirm what your parents had already, you know, had hoped and believed for your life. You didn't come to be baptized today, but in hearing this message, your heart is quickened and you know, hey, why not here? Why not now? Why not me? We have prepared for that moment for you. If you want to be baptized today, just like this Ethiopian treasure, Who had experienced rejection for so many years of his life at that moment had acceptance now he said yes to jesus and that step of faith was i want to be water baptized and the bible says that right there on the spot they stopped everything now that wasn't in the plan of the eunuch but how many of you know god already had a plan and and here's my favorite thing about this story of all the different nuances and the different and you could extract so much And that's why I feel like I've Texas Day Brazil. We've just been carving up meat the whole time. But my favorite thing about this story is you can reach the world by serving one. You say, Mike, how can I change the world? Well, it starts with the one. And that's what we've been committed to as a church. Our heart is to, I believe we've got a global mandate as a spiritual body, healing place for a hurting world. Well, how do you reach that world that's hurting? One person at a time. You know, it's interesting to me. This Ethiopian eunuch gives his life to Christ. He immediately becomes baptized. And the scripture says, Philip was snatched away. He never saw Philip again. This was a one-time encounter, a one-time moment. But this eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. Now, where is he going? He's going back home. He's going back to Ethiopia, modern-day Sudan. This Gentile, watch this. This Gentile has received the gospel. You see, the gospel wasn't for the Gentiles originally. It was for the Jews. And now in the early days of the church, this one man who seemed different, who had been rejected, who had been a slave most of his life, said he wasn't good enough to reach the the kingdom. Now all of a sudden, grace comes to him, this Gentile man. And 2,000 years later, how many Gentiles do we have in this room? Aren't you glad that the gospel came to that one Gentile? Listen. Had it not come to that one Gentile, I wonder what hope there would be for you and me. Uh, I'm, when I read it again, I said, Lord, thank you for this Ethiopian treasure. God, thank you for this eunuch whose heart was softened by the gospel. His life was healed. And because, this was a gateway moment because the gospel has now come to the Gentiles. I'm glad that God gives me access to his presence. That when man and religion tries to shut the door, Jesus says, I am the door. Come on, right in. And for you and I as a church, let us always be committed to reach the world by serving one. Amen. Do you receive that today? Come on, clap your hands if you believe that this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.